0: Legacy CRM platforms have made you compromise for far too long. With HubSpot CRM platform, you don't have to choose between enterprise tools that are powerful or easy to use. It gives you both, so your marketing, sales, and service teams can align with
1: ease, accelerate sales, and anticipate every customer need. Finally, there's a CRM platform that helps you run better so you can grow better, without complexity
0: ever getting in the way. Learn more at HubSpot.com.
2: Welcome everybody to the NFL show on the grueling truth sports network. The NFL show is brought to you by the replenishing care and technologies. Check them out at rcandt.com also by manscaped. Sam's waiting for me to say something, but uh, I I won't go all in until next week's when we actually start, but you can use the promo code TGT 20 right now
0: to get 20% off your first purchase. And Sam, have you gotten yours yet? I'm getting it later this week. I had to shit, hit, shit down from New Jersey because I didn't have a mailing address here until a couple of days ago. All right. Let's go ahead and let's talk about what I think was a very interesting
2: week in the NFL. A couple great games, a couple not so great games. We're gonna start off with last night. And last night we had a marquee matchup between Kyler Murray or Kyler Murray and Russell Wilson, and both of them actually were very good. Wilson threw a few picks, so it ended up costing him the game. As Zane Gonzalez found a 48 yards redemption after missing a kick at the end of the, uh, at the end of the game, which would have not sent it to overtime, would have gave the Cardinals the outright win. The Cardinals hand the Seahawks their first loss, Sam. 37 to 34.
0: What was your takeaway on this game? My takeaway really was that the Seahawks aren't well, their defense, obviously. This is the defense is the issue. I mean, they give up 37 points to Arizona. And Kyler Murray, who had some big moments during the early season, but had also struggled and incredibly had some high turnover games. And the defense for Seattle really offered no resistance for most of the game. And they had one turnover on DeAndre Hopkins. They had an interception. And even with all that, they still gave up 37 points to the Arizona offense. To me, the defense of Seattle, I know Russell Wilson's great. But when he struggles, when he has a bad game, this defense is not good enough to make up for that.
2: All right, and welcome to the spotlight, Isaiah Simmons, who is an ultra-versatile Cardinal first-round pick who has been much maligned this season. But on a night when he had just one tackle, he made the biggest play by far in his young NFL career when he picked off Russell Wilson in overtime to set up Zane Gonzalez's winning kick. It
0: was just one play, but it was a great play, Sam. Yeah, I mean that's got to give you a huge confidence boost. I know he hasn't played a lot so far this year. People have been kind of asking questions because he was such a high draft pick. He was such a well-respected player in college for all he accomplished. People were wondering what was going on. But here, you know, maybe this is a confidence boost he needs to kind of get himself going and start picking up plays and start seeing more playing time. All right. Now,
2: the play that stood out to me, which we're going to share right now, was Buda Baker, who got run down by Russell Will – or run down by DK Metcalf. Is this showing up on the screen all right? Yep. Yep, I can see it. All right. Now, this play to me, I mean, was it Don Beebe in the Super Bowl back in the day when the game was already won and he chases down Leon Lett and knocks the ball away? Let's see if we can get the video to work here. Now, right here, Buda Baker's pretty fast, Sam. And the play DK Metcalf made here almost ended up winning the game later in the game. But he runs him down. And when
0: you watch this, I mean, how fast is DK Metcalf? Yeah, that's that's just incredible speed. I mean, you see how him overtake Russell Wilson, you see him just run down Baker. Look at how much look like at his strides. Look at how much bigger his steps are than Buda bakers. And Buda Baker's not a slow player, like you said. But DK Metcalf, I mean, this looked like a an older brother versus younger brother kind of in the backyard almost with the way he just run him down. Yeah.
2: And like I said, it ended up, I mean, I still don't know what Cliff Kingsbury was doing. Uh, by going for the field goal in there or by not going for the field goal there. And it almost
0: really cost him the entire game. Yeah, it really did. That was certainly a controversial decision. But I think, I mean, he got greedy. Certainly he must have felt like, well, we got this great field position. We need to take something more out of this than just the field goal. And obviously that backfired. I mean, to me, you, you just have to take the field goal in that position. And you also have to call better plays. You cannot afford to not make a touchdown on that when you're so close when you have such a big play against the Seattle defense, like like I said, it has a lot of trouble.
2: All right, so when we look at this, the thing I take away is this. If you're the Seahawks, the lack of defense is going to make this entire year one game after the other where Russell Wilson's got to make a play at the end of the
0: game. Can you survive and make it to a Super Bowl that way? I really don't know. That's why when we talked about Green Bay versus Seattle, it was a couple of weeks ago when we were talking about who was the better team in the NFL. I said I would take Green Bay if they were going to go play each other in the playoffs. That's partially because I think at some point you get, it's going to catch up to you. You can't make it afford. You can't rely on Russell Wilson to make the big play every single game. Because even as good yeah. as he is, he's not going to be able to do that every single week.
2: Yeah, and I think the big thing here is to be the one seed because they're the only ones I think with the bye now, Sam. And I think if they get a one seed and he only has to pull it off twice, that's one thing. If they're not the one seed, and he's got to do it three times just to get to the Super Bowl, that's asking an awful lot.
0: Well, and you have a chance. I mean, if Arizona ends up being a wild card, there's a chance that you could see a Seattle-Arizona matchup in the first round if they don't get the one seed. And the Cardinals have given them trouble over the past three or four years. So if you're you're Seattle, you definitely want that one seed because you don't want to have to deal with a Cardinals team or anyone like that coming out in the wild card game.
2: All right, we'll start off with these two games because they were the two that were the difference between me and you this week. You actually beat me. So miracles do happen. And <laughs> when we look at this, the Pittsburgh Steelers 27, the Tennessee Titans 24, the Steelers built a comfortable 27-7 lead in the third quarter. From there, it slowly was whittled away as Ben Roethlisberger saw two interceptions give Tennessee life. They end up missing a field goal, Steven Goskowski at the end of the game. 45 yards, misses it. I mean, this was a huge win for the Pittsburgh Steelers, especially on the road. Plus, I mean, I think the Titans have to be the prohibitive favorite in the AFC South. And the Steelers, when you look at them, you know, my son said it yesterday before the game. He said, I think the Titans will beat them just because the Steelers haven't beaten anybody. They've beaten somebody now, and it's a team where it gives them a little one-up when it comes to home field advantage when it comes down to maybe Pittsburgh and Tennessee somewhere in the playoffs.
0: Yeah, I was having this argument with one of my friends the other day. He was saying, oh, the Steelers haven't played anyone. And he was arguing that yeah, Tennessee still a better team. Well, what do you mean? They just beat Tennessee. Tennessee was, in my mind, the best team in the NFL by power rankings last week. And Pittsburgh just beat them. And they beat them. I mean, I know it came down to a three-point game in the last-minute missed field goal the Steelers win the game in regulation. But really, for the first three quarters, for the first two-and-a-half quarters, Pittsburgh was winning this game fairly easily. It really came down to Ben Roethlisberger throwing the interceptions and poor play calling offensively that really allowed Tennessee to get back into the game. Otherwise, Pittsburgh was winning this game fairly outright. So to me, the Steelers are certainly much better than I even really anticipated to begin with. And now you can make the argument they're the best team or maybe the second best team behind Kansas City in the AFC. Well, the thing is, we make a different case for a
2: different team every week for the last month. So I think that shows us that there's four or five teams here that are in the conversation in the AFC where I really thought going into the year it would probably just be Kansas City. And the one thing I will give the Titans is this, though. They look like a team, especially the first two or two and and a half quarters, playing their third game in 13 days. I mean, the defense couldn't get off the field early. They rarely got pressure. Tannehill was a little off target. So I will give them three game, three NFL games in 13 days is a tall order for anybody against any team.
0: Especially when you're playing a team as physical as the Pittsburgh Steelers, where they will beat you up front. Their defensive front is very good. We saw Henry was contained basically from almost the entirety of the first half. They had lower success In the second half, but still didn't have a very big game. And the Steelers, if not for that one huge play to A.J. AJ Brown, Ryan Tannehill doesn't have great numbers either. So the Steelers really did a good job defensively containing this Tennessee offense.
2: Yeah, but I will say this. If it comes to the playoffs, I would still take the Titans to beat them, Sam.
0: I would still take the Steelers to win. I would still trust Big Ben to go out there and get it done.
2: Well, what you did yesterday was you trusted Big Ben to get it
0: done. And in the second half... He he brought Tennessee back into the game, Sam. That's true, but there was also a very poor play call. And you look at that one that third interception there. Had, what was it? It was third and two, I think they said. And they threw and they threw to Chase Claypool. He ends up being just short, but there was an OPI call. If you just run the ball there, just get James Conner had opening lanes all day long. James Conner actually outproduced Derek Henry. So if you why don't you run the ball on third and two from when you're in the red zone at Tennessee's ten, and instead you throw a ball and you give it to an OPI call. I mean, to me, it just doesn't make any sense. That leads to third interception and gives Tennessee to life. If you score there, the game's over. So it's not it's not all on better offspoken to me. It's play calling was absolutely terrible there down the stretch.
2: All right. So you just told me why I think the Tennessee Titans would beat them in the playoffs. I think does. I think Mike Vrabel's a better coach. I think Mike Tomlin's a very good coach. But over the years, he's made decisions like that that just make you wonder what in the hell he's thinking. I think he's a really good football coach. I don't think game management is one of his strong points.
0: Well, Randy Fichter, I'm pretty sure, is the one calling the plays, not Mike Tomlin. So okay, I'm, really I'm, like I,
2: I don't want to hear that ever because that's absolute crap. Does Does Mike Tomlin have a headset on? Yeah. Is he not connected to the offensive and the defensive coordinator? Yeah. yeah, he's there. All right, I can tell you this: if I'm coaching a game and I'm connected to my OC and my DC, if I don't like a call, I'm going to tell them to change it.
0: Yeah, I guess you got a point there. At the same time, I and mean, Victor's been the guy who's been criticized for all this stuff, and he's come out and said he's owned it in the past where he's made mistakes. All right, so let's go back to this. If we look at the coordinators of the past for the Pittsburgh Steelers, hasn't there always been this issue? Uh, to some extent, not necessarily. I think early, what, what, what year was it? There was a year where it or two where it really wasn't that bad. But.
2: Yeah, there was a year or two of Mike Tomlin's two decades of service to Pittsburgh where it wasn't that bad. That was when Bruce Arians was there, correct? Yeah,
0: yeah that's that what I was thinking about.
2: All right. So, I mean, I don't get this because it's just like Bengal fans, which we'll get to in a minute, that want to have the defensive coordinator fired. But somebody had to hire the defensive coordinator, and that is typically the head coach. So you have to take responsibility for everything that goes on in your team. All right. So if I'm the head coach and the offensive coordinator makes a bad call, I'm never going to come out and say it's the offensive coordinator's fault because I knew what the call was, and I allowed the call to happen.
0: That's fair. That is fair. To counter you, though, on the one point we talked about the Steelers and how to play calling, Pittsburgh has a much better defense to me than Tennessee. It's significantly better. I don't care if they picked off Ben three times. The Steelers they, are a much better defense
2: than Tennessee. I think as was right now, but I'm just telling you, I think Tennessee's defense is going to improve as the season goes on. I think Mike Vrabel's a really good football coach. All right. The older Tom Brady gets, which every week he gets a little older, it seems the better he plays, and I watched it yesterday. And he misses a throw early, and my son goes, "Oh, he looked old there." And then the next throw, the next throw he makes is a touchdown. And when you look at Tom Brady, I mean, Chris Godwin, the guys he's got that are good, the guys he's got to throw the ball to are amazing. He's got two good running backs. The defense is solid. And yesterday, the Raiders hung with him for about two and a half quarters. And then that was it. And the guy that really impressed me the most out of all this was on the Tampa Bay defense yesterday. And that was Devin White, who was a madman on the pass rush. And it seems to me he continues to constantly elevate his place among the league's
0: best linebackers. I mean, he and Devin Bush came in at the same time. And Devin White certainly is a great player from LSU. He's got a lot of speed, too. We saw him chase down Derek Carr. I think it was on a fourth down. Carr was trying to go get the first down and White comes from across the field and knock him out of bounds. So, I mean, he's one of the fastest linebackers in the NFL right now. And if they find a way to incorporate him more into the pass rush because he really wasn't that involved last year, if they find a way to use him in that role, I think they'll be even a better defense than they already are. They already are the best-run defense in the NFL.
2: Yeah, and I think the thing about Devin White is this. He has a huge room for approval because he's not very good in coverage. But he can go get the quarterback, and I think the difference is, I mean, I just think they're coached better this year and they've kind of let Devin White loose, and Devin White on the loose. We saw what they did to the Green Bay Packers. The Raiders are a solid team, and they completely
0: dominated the Raiders. Yeah, I mean, this is two weeks in a row now where they basically just run over teams that we thought were very good. Since losing to Chicago, they've really got locked down. Like, Devontae Davis playing great. Devin White is obviously picking his game up. We're seeing just some high-level play from Tampa Bay Buccaneers, even from their secondary, that we haven't seen up to the last two, I want to say two or three weeks. And now they've gotten so much better, or they're looking much better at the very least, maybe more comfortable what they're doing. Even Scotty Miller. Scotty Miller was the leading receiver for Tampa Bay yesterday. If you can have Scotty Miller be the leading receiver on the team, that Chris Godwin, Mike Evans, Tyler Johnson, and soon to be Antonio Brown on the roster. I mean, that's just incredible to me. Well, the thing is this, if you look at the past of Tom Brady, we see that
2: from game to game. We're the different guy is the main guy. Hell, he made Chris Hogan look like a pro bowler sometimes. So with Tom Brady there in the NFC, I know we just talked about the Seahawks and the Packers, but to me right now, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers are the best team in the NFC.
0: Yeah, I think we were talking about when we discussed uh, my NFL power last week, that Tampa Bay would be in the top five. And I said, maybe by the end of the year, they'll be in the top five this week. They're playing at that level right now.
2: Yeah, and I really think right now, I don't know if anybody's playing any better than what they're playing. You match them up with the Kansas City Chiefs. I mean, hell, they're the one team that may have just as many weapons Maybe not vertically, but they have just as many weapons on offense as Kansas City. And on defense, the Buccaneers are just better than the Chiefs.
0: Well, yeah, and if you could hypothetically in that matchup, shut down Clyde Edwards-Lay on the ground, put it all on Patrick Mahomes, you have a really good chance to win that game. The Buccaneers might be the best matchup for any team in the NFL at this point. All
2: right, let's move on, and we'll go talk about my favorite topic, which is the Dallas Cowgirls, who got beat 25-3 to by the Washington Redskins. Um, I don't know what the Cowboys are going to do. To me, it looked like they completely quit in this game. I know they lost their second quarterback of the year, but they've got a patchwork offensive line. They're missing key players due to injury. They couldn't protect Andy Dalton or reserve Ben DiNucci. And when you look at this, I mean, hell, they might be the worst team in the N- or in the NFC East, which makes them the worst team in the world if they don't get it together soon, and I don't see it happening.
0: Yeah, I mean, they looked totally disinterested in yesterday's game. It was not whatsoever. I mean, they weren't trying. It really looked like they weren't trying. I don't know. Even at the very beginning when Andy Dalton was there playing and he was healthy, they looked totally disinterested in playing football the other day. And to me, that speaks a lot when coaching, right? I mean, that's got to fall back on Mike McCarthy to some degree. Yeah, I mean, it's kind of like
2: Cincinnati. Everybody wanted to get rid of Marvin Lewis, but they did. And their pathetic owner went out and found somebody even worse. And everybody in Dallas wanted to get rid of Jason Garrett. But they've got a pathetic owner also who went out and found worse. And, I mean, I know almost every Cowboy fan I know was excited to get Mike McCarthy. I told him you wouldn't be very long. And this Washington football team is a team without an individual rushing performance of 60-plus yards all season. But Antonio Gibson had more than that by the end of the first quarter. So I think what Washington
0: found here was not a running game. It found the only team that it could run the ball against. Pretty much. I mean, they absolutely destroyed the Dallas Cowboys. And if you want to, we can play this clip here of Andy Dalton getting hit. We can show you the replay of this hit, because I know you want to talk about this, right? Yeah, I would love to see the hit. Right, let's see if we can get to go. So that's the hit. This the angle from John Boss taking the hit on Andy Dalton as he's sliding to the ground. So what, what, are, what are your thoughts on this? They threw John Bosch out of the game. They're not suspending him. What do you think about this? They're not suspending him? They're not suspending him. It was announced he won't be suspended.
2: How could you not suspend him if player safety and hell with the hell with the helmet caught? I mean, that's a quarterback that's obviously sliding and a player that went for his head. I mean, I, I think this. I think the biggest thing I have is this. If I'm Mike McCarthy – I know my days are numbered from the fact that after that hit happened, what did the Cowboys do with their quarterback laying on the ground half dead? They did not go up to John Boston whatsoever. No one came up to John Boston. They did nothing. And to me, that'll tell you all you need to know about Mike McCarthy. There is no culture in Dallas. There is no team togetherness. They don't care about each other. That's why they lose. It's not because of the injuries. It's not because they're under talented. I mean, hell, Even if you take Dak Prescott out, Andy Dalton has led a team to the playoffs five times. You still got Zeke Elliott. You still got Amari Cooper. And you're in a division that is so bad, it's almost laughable. I mean, they barely beat the New York football giants. I mean, they just got destroyed by the Washington Redskins. And they're getting destroyed. So it looks like you'd be at least frustrated. So when somebody does that to your quarterback, you would be man enough to step up and try to protect your quarterback. And he didn't. I mean, in that case, if every cowboy lineman would have been tossed out of the game for bum rushing, boss, that can beat the hell out of him. I wouldn't have had a problem with it. You know, I've got more of a problem when I see a quarterback take a hit like that and only one or two guys go after him.
0: Everybody, I I remember every every time I've seen a hit like that. There's almost always retaliation from the offensive lineman. We saw, I think it was—I remember—was it Joe Flacco took a heat from? Took a hit from like Kiko Alonso one day. I forget what game it was. And he was basically knocked out immediately. And they—I mean—they were throwing fists, they were throwing punches, they were tapping the guy to the ground. That's what you expect, though. I mean, every time we see a hit like this, that's always the retaliation. And I was waiting for it yesterday when I saw the John Bassett hit, and nothing happened. The offensive lineman and the receivers, and everyone just stood around. And I mean, that was really surprising because that's—that's that's not what football has been for forever. That's not what I've seen in my life. So I don't know here. Dallas to me just seems like totally—they—they've given up on this year. Put it like this: yes, when the power rankings are done. There's no
2: team or nobody with any sense that could put the Dallas Cowboys above number
0: 30. No, I'm right there with you. I agree. Dallas can't be retired. Really
2: I know they beat the Giants, but right now I think the Giants would beat them. I think they're 32. And I think a Cowboy Jet matchup would be an epic, epic. I would say matchup, but it's just an epic colossal failure for the NFL if they ever had to put that on TV anywhere, including in Dallas and New York. Because what you have is you have Adam Gase and Mike McCarthy, two guys that don't know how to build culture, two guys that are a joke. Mike McCarthy had Aaron Rodgers. He won one Super Bowl, what, a decade ago? Yeah. And they lost how many playoff games? He, he is a pathetic excuse for a coach, and the only thing that saved his ass was the fact he wrote on Aaron Rodgers' coattails
0: for a long time. Well, now, I put, I've been saying this for two weeks now, for the last two weeks. I think there's a high chance Mike McCarthy is done. After this year, he'll get fired. Because right now, I mean, Jerry Jones.
2: If I'm the owner and I watched the team, way that team played and the way they reacted to the quarterback, damn, they're getting beheaded in the middle of the town square, I would have fired his ass when the game was over. Because he obviously does not command
0: that locker room. I think all it's going to take right now is more two-star players go to Jerry Jones, who has invested a lot of money in them, and say, we don't want him here anymore. And that's probably all it would take to get rid of Mike McCarthy. Well, I would think that that's probably already happened, too. I mean, there have been rumors coming out of that locker room already. They're not happy with the coaching staff. All right, next up. We've got – hold on, it's supposed
2: to show it. Where was it? Oh, here it is. We've got the San Francisco 49ers who beat the New England Patriots 33-6. to This was a little bit of a beatdown. Of course, the Niners ran the ball as they always do. Jeff Wilson. Ripped up 112 yards. I'll tell you what. When you look at the guys, you know Hasty picks up 57 yards. Kyle Yuzcheck even got in on the action. To me, what it tells me is, I think the San Francisco 49ers have, even with guys hurt, one of the best offensive lines in football. Garoppolo looked good. Brandon Ayuk six receptions for 115 yards. Um, Cam Newton was horrible yesterday. I don't know. I mean, I've been positive just because it's Bill Belichick. But if he somehow got this team to six or seven wins, he might be the coach of the year.
0: Yeah, we've we've really gone back and forth on this doing England Patriots team. Or at the least, I have. I entering the season, I thought they might be capped at five or six wins. After the first what two or three weeks, I thought they
2: might make the playoffs on our NFL. After
0: the team. first two or three weeks, I said I thought they make maybe the playoffs. I like I have flopped so far back and forth on this issue, just showing you that I have no no understanding entirely what's going on with this with them but I well, I, I think yes I think they're under talented
2: they suck but they've got Bill Belichick so you hold out hope just because they've got Bill
0: Belichick but you can only do so much as a coach if you don't have the players yeah and you asked me last week if it's time for the Patriots to sound the alarm to me I think it is now and at this point after this significant of the loss team, I think it's time to Say this is probably a lost season for New England now. They've got no chance, in my opinion, of coming back from this.
2: Do you go, go Do you go with Jared Stidham the rest of the year, or do you keep trying to Cam Newton?
0: I mean, look, we might see him from Jared Stidham. Why don't you start Jared Stidham just because you have to see what's going to happen with him? From I see him from him, he's not the answer because I mean he's already made playing mistakes in the short amount of time he's played. But I would, I would still think you have to go with Jared Stidham, right? You have to at least give it a shot.
2: All right, I agree with you, Sam. And next up, we got the Kansas City Chiefs, 43 Your Denver Broncos, who you thought could make the playoffs, 16. Probably the worst prediction you've ever made on here. And no. you know the thing it was a bitch was this. Patrick Mahomes didn't even play that great. He was like 15-23 to 23 for 200 yards of TD. He took three sacks. But the Kansas City defense,
0: you know, played really well. Yeah, they basically manhandled Drew Locke, and they forced two fumbles, got two back from Melvin Gordon. So that's four turnovers right there. And they they played a little. That's what we talked about. The Kansas City Chiefs, their defense to me is very unpredictable. It's week to week can be really good, and the other weeks it's just kind of inconsistent or non-existent whatsoever. I think the Chiefs, when it, comes down, when it comes time to play in the playoffs, I think that defense will be there for them, especially if Chris Jones is healthy, and he was yesterday. So I think this Chiefs defense, inconsistent, but when it comes down to it in the playoffs, they're going to be there for them.
2: Yeah, and I mean, they really, when you look at it, if you look at the stats, you try to figure out how in the hell they scored 43 points. Next up, the Green Bay Packers got on track after an ass whooping last week. They beat the Houston Texans this week, 35 to 20. I think this was to be expected. I mean, the Texans don't have a lot outside of Deshaun Watson. And when you look at this, Green Bay got back on track. They won the game fairly comfortably. Devontae Adams was a beast. The Texans couldn't contain him. Aaron Rodgers played really well. I think this is what it was. It was a good football team
0: beating up a bad football team. Yeah, with Devontae Adams, he's the key probably to this whole offense. When he's healthy and he's playing, his team is almost unstoppable. But when he's hurt or when he's working back from injury, they're very inconsistent. And so he's been dealing with injuries the past couple of years. So if I'm Aaron Rodgers, I say the key to this offense right now and the key to us before we go to the playoffs is making sure I have Devontae Adams fresh and healthy post postseason time
2: all right Sam we had the Saints and the Panthers it was actually a hell of a football game the Saints yeah. offense looked really good but Carolina still looks like they're a legit contender when it comes down to it I mean I know they got starched a little bit or torn up a little bit by that defense or that the Saints offense but to me, I, I really, even though I said I thought the game would be close, I don't think that deep down I really thought it would be. And the fact that it's a 27 to 24 game and Drew Brees was 29 of 36 for 287 and two touchdowns. Um, Alvin Kamara racked up 148 all purpose yards, but the Panthers were still there. And Teddy Bridgewater, 23 of 28, 254, two touchdowns. I mean, this team's for real. And I think it also shows you that the Saints, I think, are slowly getting back to where they want to be. And the question here is are they ready to do that? Or can the Saints go to the Super Bowl without Michael Thomas?
0: I don't know if they can go to the Super Bowl without Michael Thomas. I think they could get to the divisional round without him. But I do think you need all hands on ship, including Manuel Sanders, who they didn't have yesterday, and Michael Thomas. You're gonna need those guys to make the Super Bowl run just because that defense, I know it's the defense is talented. They still get up twenty four points the other day, and they offensively put up twenty seven. To me, that's a little bit worrisome. So, I think you need to have those guys available. But at the same point, I think the big takeaway here is they can win without Michael Thomas. They don't necessarily need him. He hasn't had him since basically week one. You can win games without Michael Thomas. They're finding a way. To I mean, they could. They're not going to win this division. So, they, Tampa Bay will. But they'll make the playoffs with ten or eleven wins. Well, I,
2: I think this. I think when we look at it. Is Michael Thomas worth it? And does Michael Thomas really make a difference? Does Michael Thomas make a positive difference or a negative difference when we look at this?
0: I would say a, a slight positive just because
1: you can't control what's outside your home but you can control what comes in because clorox disinfecting wipes kill 99.9 percent of viruses and bacteria including covid 19 virus when used as directed on hard non-porous surfaces so whether it's from dirty doorknobs dirty shoes or something else outside germs won't stand the chance when it counts trust clorox kill pseudomonas salmonella and influenza virus type a2 kill sars cov2 on hard non-porous surfaces Users directed.
0: Because of last year, I mean, they obviously performed much better than they have so far this year. They've had a little bit more of a hiccup. But at the same time, working him back into the lineup, that's going to take time. Is he going to throw off the rhythm of everyone else on the team? So there might be issues there. And there have been rumors tossed around. Maybe they trade him this offseason because he costs a lot of money. And they feel like they can get they can get uh, production from other players, not named Michael Thomas, so they have to pay a lot less money. I mean, trading him away, get maybe a first to stick around pick for him, not have to pay that salary, that's not a bad deal.
2: I would trade him right now. I mean, he assaulted one of his teammates. He's constantly hurt. He just sounds like more trouble than he's worth. And this is a team that doesn't need. I mean, Emmanuel Sanders will be back. Emmanuel Sanders is a good receiver. You know, they've got Drew Brees. They've got Alvin Kamara. I mean, hell, you might be able to pick up something defensively or offensive line wise because you know you can get something from Michael Thomas. Probably.
0: You could. You could, if you want to invest in the future, you could probably get a first and a fifth for him if you really wanted to. Yeah. But also, pretty much what you want to do. Yeah, and also Carolina. Carolina the other day, and look at this one. When they get Christian McCaffrey back, they're going to be very good because he only had 37 total rushing yards for the entire day, and they still only lost to the Saints by three points. When they get McCaffrey back, this is going to be a very good team. All
2: right, maybe the most exciting game of the day was Baker Mayfield against Joe Burrow. The Cleveland Browns beat the Cincinnati Bengals 37-34. to 34. Baker Mayfield struggled, was 0-5 to start with an ugly interception and it's, it's on the play where Odell Beckham, I guess, tore his ACL. From there on, though, he finished with 21 straight completions. His incompletion was when he needed to stop a, stop the clock with a spike. If you overlook the spike, he completed each of his 22 legitimate attempts following the 0-5 start, 0-5 start. He threw five touchdown passes. So when you look at this, Joe Burrow and Baker Mayfield may have been the two best quarterbacks in the NFL yesterday during this game. But the question is, is that because they're that good or because the defense is that bad?
0: Well, that's what I was going to ask you. Is this a Baker Mayfield thing or is this a Cincinnati thing? So we saw that.
2: I, I I, I mean, and I hate to sound like a Bengal fan, but Joe Burrow is a lot better than Baker Mayfield. What I saw Joe Burrow do yesterday was pretty impressive. And it's just a damn shame that the Cincinnati Bengals have, have a coaching staff that is not qualified to coach in the NFL. He keeps improving. He was electric in the game yesterday. He was electric in the first meeting and he topped 400 yards passing yesterday, three touchdowns. And he, I think he might've ran for a score. He did it without Joe Mixon. Gio Bernard played well, and they kind of handled miles Garrett, at least compared to the last time they played him. And, when I look at this, it's just a damn shame that the Bengals had no front office and no coaching staff because Joe Burrow is special and Baker Mayfield was special yesterday. And no matter who he did against, it's still a semblance of an NFL team in the Cincinnati Bengals defense. And the Bengals, you've got problems where your best pass rusher is Carlos Dunlap. But of course, he's mad now because he he was he's not been used correctly all year long. And the thing about Carlos Dunlap, I've seen a lot of Bengal fans bitch about him being mad. We've seen this before with Carson Palmer. We've seen it with Corey Dillon. We've seen it with Carl Pickens back in the early 90s. I mean, after a while, you realize that, you know, you just wasted probably the eight or nine best years of your career with a team that has no intention of winning. And I think he's tired of it. I thought the tweet he put out yesterday advertising his house for sale was absolutely hilarious. And I mean, Carlos Dunlap is a guy who's been nothing but positive in the Bengals locker room until this year. And he's been nothing but positive off the field in Cincinnati. So I think what a guy like Carlos Dunlap, who's been here for eight or nine years is starting to get pissed off. I think everybody really needs to kind of look to see what's going on. This isn't just some diva wide receiver in his second year bitching because they're not throwing the ball to him. And yesterday, The Browns get the ball with less than a minute left, and it takes them two or three plays, and they're in the end zone. And Carlos Dunlap, the best pass rusher on the Bengals, was not even on the field.
0: Yeah, that's that's the biggest issue for them. When you start seeing guys like Dunlap and Geno Atkins, who have been stellar players, who have been pro bowlers for the Bengals for the past decade, and they start getting upset, I mean, it really starts breaking the question. like, You've got to start paying attention here, because these are proven veterans. These are leaders. And now you're getting a situation where they don't want to lead anymore. They don't want to be in your organization anymore. It comes down to, I mean, look at your organization. Do it in-depth on in what you've been doing, who's in charge, who's failing here. And it would show you that the coaching staff, even at the organizational level, they not performed well. Yeah, and it's sad because this is a Bengals team that I think is going to continue to score in the 30s and continue to lose. But they have three, they have three receivers that are clicking right now. I mean, Tyler Boyd went for over 100 yards the other day. Andrew Green has had back-to-back good games, and T. Higgins had 71 yards and a touchdown. So you've got the receiving receiving stuff. Yeah, and you've got John Ross
2: and Auden Tate who should be used but aren't for some reason, especially Auden Tate. And with John Ross, it's in the last year of his contract. You might as well find out if the dude can play before you send him somewhere else where they have a legit coaching staff that might use him correctly, and all of a sudden he looks pretty good. Now, I don't know if that will happen. But you don't know. You need to find that
0: out right now. Yeah, the on-tate one confuses me because I know from looking at the numbers what he did last year, he's a good receiver. You should have him on the field. I don't know why he is not getting nearly enough snaps as he should. And for John Ross, he was averaging like 63 yards per game last year before getting hurt. There is value there. I think you just have to show it to other teams. You could get a fourth-round pick for him if you just play him enough.
2: Yeah, and the thing is, if you play him and he goes off, has a big game, you might be able to get a fourth-round pick for him. It's better than getting nothing when the season's over, which is what the Bengals are good at doing in. I mean, they did it with Andy Dalton. They did it with A.J. Green. Hell, you could have got a first-round pick for A.J. Green over a year ago, and he would have played last year. Don't forget that. A.J. Green's not happy here either. No matter what anybody says, he's not, because he refused to play last year the last half of the season because he wanted a big contract because he didn't want to go out and get
0: hurt, in the shit showed it is Cincinnati. Well, even if he didn't get hurt, I mean, what are you playing for at that point? You're playing with a team that's putting Ryan Finley at quarterback. It's going to decrease your value. It's going to make you look bad. So, really, there was no there was no point for AJ Green and personal reason to play that year it's just because the Bengals weren't trying to win games. All right, next up, let's go
2: to another quarterback that's a rookie that looks pretty good. The Los Angeles Chargers, led by Justin Herbert, 39-29 over to Jacksonville Jaguars. And the Chargers are a team similar to the Bengals. Lost a lot of close games. They should be better than what they are. Herbert was 27-43, of 347, three touchdowns. Led the team in rushing, nine carries for 66 yards. Justin Herbert looks like the real deal right now, proving us both wrong so far, Sam.
0: Yeah, because we were both ragging on him to start the year. I thought he wouldn't be a starter for them long-term. I thought he would take more like a – almost like a Blake Bortles route in his career where he might get the starting job and he would flame out after a couple of years. Instead, he's come out here. He's been red hot. He's having a great rookie season. I know it was only against the Jacksonville Jaguars, but he's played tougher teams in the past couple of weeks and he's performed consistently well. He seems to be a legitimate top 15 quarterback. Yeah, and the Chargers, they've got Mel- 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 Melvin
2: Ingram back on the defensive line. you got Joey Bosa. So I, I think the Chargers – Believe it or not, even at what are they, two and four? I think they're a contender
0: for a playoff spot. I don't know if I would go that far, Mike. I think they're certainly certainly a good team. They're performing. I mean, their record's worse than their actual team performance so far. But they're kind of behind the eight ball at this point. But remember this, the first couple of games was without
2: Justin Herbert. And, I mean, the way Herbert's played right now, you could say they probably win the game in Cincinnati easy because Tyrod Taylor was horrible in that game. So I'm not going to count them out at 2-4 and because if nine wins get you in, I think this is a team with the talent to go 7-3 and the rest of the way.
0: I could see that happening. You would have to probably top the Raiders, though, because there's a good chance right now you're seeing three teams come out of the AFC North.
2: Yeah, but I think this, I think with the Raiders, you have a lot of question marks, and those question marks make this possible right now because I think the Raiders are going to be a team that's going to win games that we don't expect them to win. They're going to lose games you don't expect them to win because they're a young football team. So are the Chargers. The Chargers are only one game behind the Raiders right now.
0: Yeah, it certainly doesn't feel that way, but you're right. They are only one game back. And I mean, we've seen in the past, John Gruden's team has a habit of falling apart late in the year. They did last season.
2: All right, let's talk about the best game of the day. You know what I'm talking about. The Buffalo Bills 18, the New York Jets 10. The Jets actually had a double-digit lead for the first time all season, Sam. Did you ever have pretty sad. Yeah, I mean, the thing is this. I think the Buffalo Bills right now, they won the game ugly, but I think that they did play lights-out defense in the game, even though it's against the Jets, is positive. I mean, they actually stopped the run a little bit. So when I look at it, I mean, the Bills won the game. You got to win the game. And we see every year NFL games like this where you get a surprise and the other team wins because a team like the Bills is overlooking them, especially coming off the two tough losses the Bills took. So I think right now the fact that the Bills won is the only thing that matters here coming off those last two games.
0: Yeah, I agree. They just need to get the momentum turned around. Josh Allen had much better game he had the past two weeks. Still a little bit shaky, though. I think they're turning things around. That's really what matters. They just need to get back on track. And now they're hope this kid's just opening up maybe a little bit. Maybe they can get a little bit of a run going. That's what they're hoping for. If they place the Patriots next week, that should be an easy win. And then get Seattle, and that would be a fun matchup.
2: All right. Of course, Adam Gase surrendered play calling duties to their offensive coordinator. Don't usually, isn't your offensive coordinator usually your play caller anyway? Yeah, but remember, Adam Gase is an offensive guru, Mike. <laughs> He's special. What do we base that on, by the way? Is it just because Adam Gay said so?
0: I have no idea where this came from. It dates back to his time in Miami. I don't know who came up with this idea that he was some kind of like offensive coach, but that's guess the perception people have of him for some reason. I'd like to know where anybody came up with the idea he was a coach. <laughs> I mean, Hey, one thing that could happen here, though, I mean, if you put the play calling on the offensive coordinator – and in a couple of weeks in, you're saying, oh, it's not working. You could turn around and blame your OC here for what's going on in New York's offense, even though it's all Adam Gates. Yeah, but it's hard to do when the first six weeks were on you. <laughs> it's, it's, hey, it's Adam Gates. You never know he's got up to sleep. You never know he's going to try to pull off.
2: Yeah, and the Jets' ownership's stupid, so maybe they'll go for it. Next up, the Detroit Lions beat the Atlanta Falcons twenty-three to twenty-two. The Falcons lost as only the Falcons can lose. They lost on the last play of the game after having a twenty-two to sixteen lead. Matthew Stafford drives down a last-minute four. He hits T.J. Hawkinson from 11 yards out as time expired. Matt Prater kicks the extra point. Detroit wins. I think this is kind of what we expected, a close game between two teams that have a hard time getting out of their own way. And I'll tell you, when when you are worse at finishing a game than a team called the Detroit Lions, you got major problems in Atlanta.
0: Yeah, I mean, really, they, this is exactly what you could expect. I mean, you couldn't have scripted it any better. Detroit ends up winning the game by one point at the very end as the Falcons collapse defensively on the last play of the game. I mean, there's there's no better way to end this matchup, but at the same point, it just shows you how, how bad both these teams are.
2: Yeah, and I think does. I don't think it shows us how bad both these teams are. I think it shows how bad the coaching is because this is the NFL. Almost every team, you can go back. I mean, whether it's the Bengals the Falcons, the Lions, where you change two or three plays and all three of those teams could be four and three or five and two in playoff contenders. The problem is, you know, you look at Cincinnati, they are a like 112-1 in one score game since Zach Taylor's been there. I would think that Matt Patricia's got a similar record. And when you look at it, that's the difference. Everybody playing in the NFL is an NFL player. Not everybody coaching in the NFL should be an NFL head coach.
0: Yeah, he definitely got that right. We talked about it. There's going to be a bunch of firings at the end of this year. But Greg Garecki is actually in the chat right now. He says, nice hat, Mike. Go Bearcats. All
2: right. There you go, Greg. U.C. basketball, the college four this year, it smacked the crap out of Clemson, Sam.
0: Oh, really? I, you know what? I'd love to see it, Mike. Just that way I can have one thing on you where my team actually wins. How would you have that
2: if Cincinnati smacked the crap out of Clemson? Huh. Oh, I know that's not going to happen. That won't happen, Mike. I think we all know Clemson will roll through that game. That's that, that your you, you, this is the thing: the Cincinnati Bearcats playing a tougher conference. They do. They're going to play tough. The ACC's conference. not great. No, the ACC sucks. And the thing is, this: the Cincinnati Bearcats' defense will just destroy and maul Trevor Lawrence. They'll probably break both of these legs. And then the New York Jets will pick him with the first pick of the draft.
0: I mean, at this point, you have to throw, Trevor Lawrence has to throw a couple extra interceptions on game base at this point just to try to follow number two and get out of New York. All right, real quick, I missed some here. What
2: is it, Rendon Die? I have Todd Gurley and DJ Moore. Should I trade them for James Connor? I want to get rid of Todd Gurley because I have Julio Jones. Neither one of us are huge fantasy guys. But I would do it for James Conner right now because I think this is
0: the best James Conner has looked in his career. No, he's already off to a great start. I mean, he has played, I think, four 100-yard games or maybe just three. And even during his Pro Bowl season, he only had five. So he's already having a great year. I think if you're going for yards, definitely go for Conner. But at the same point, touchdowns, skills got a lot more scores than Conner at this point.
2: All right. Greg says he's arriving late. But I think both Herbert and Burrow are clearly the future for their teams. But time will tell with Tua in Miami. Do you think that Tua
0: is the future of the Miami Dolphins, or whatever your name is, Sam? <laughs> you know, I'm, I'm going to go for the clean sleep. I'm just going to buy in here and say that, yes, he is. I know there are concerns there with the injuries in the past. Maybe that there's, Of course, there are always size concerns with these kind of guys. Based on what we saw in college, I think Tua has enough there. Maybe he won't be as good out of the gate as Herbert and Burrow but I think he'll definitely be a player who's solid in a couple of years. I think he'll be better than Ryan Fitzpatrick, at least more consistent. I do expect him to be the future in Miami.
2: All right, and then Greg, of course, made a comment about the UC Bearcats, who then
0: Sam Teets made fun of. I mean, look, it's it's a nice it's a nice program you have there, but you got Clemson's on a different level. It's it's nothing personal.
2: What level would that be? Is that the level where the coach is a pompous, arrogant ass
0: who thinks he's above everybody else? Hey, I'm not going to defend Dablo Sweeney. That's not my job. Davo can take care of himself. And honestly, I, when he talks there, it's it's a little shifty. I'm not going to lie.
2: <laughs> <laughs> and Greg says that he actually saw the Bearcats play in a bowl game in Toronto a number of years ago. So has Clemson ever played in a bowl game in Toronto? I don't think so. There you go. That separates break two programs. What was the bowl game? Who did they play? I can't remember. I was going to say, I hope you're not asking me, because I have no idea. I think it was like they played, was it Western Michigan, Greg? I think it was Western Michigan, something called like the International Bowl, you know, one of those high-level bowl games that everybody wants to be a part of. Yeah, one of like the 70 bowl games in existence right now. Yeah, are there still 70? Because I saw Army's already accepted an invitation to play somebody in a bowl game. I think everybody's only played like four
0: games, haven't they? Yeah, I mean, we I think we're the most teams that have played are five or six at this point. But then, like Big Ten has just started playing. Pac-12 isn't even back yet. But who cares about them?
2: We need to do a college football show since now it looks like the season is actually going to happen with everybody
0: playing. Yeah, as everything's picking up now. I think we're definitely going to see the full year play out.
2: All right. Well, maybe we'll do that then. Oh, we know. got some comments. Uh, Greg said no to something, and then I think so. So I don't know what no and I think so Greg means. But I'm pretty sure it was the International Bowl, but I'm not 100% sure. All right, tonight, Monday Night Football, we've got a very interesting matchup. We've got, you know, the Rams and the Bears. The Rams are 4-2. and two, The Bears are 5-1. and one. The game will be played in Los Angeles. And L.A. gets a job done with a fast-paced, or fast-paced offense, an energetic and aggressive defense, while Chicago gets just enough from the offense with the defense stealing the show. And, I mean, right now, the Bears are in first place. The offense hasn't been great, but it's done enough to keep the Bears competitive. Can they keep the bear? can they keep in the game against the high-paced
0: Rams offense? You know what? I think defense is good enough that they can. And this is a really tough game to pick for me just because they seem to have been up and down in the past. But I would lean towards the Bears because of that defense. I tend to go with the team that has the better defense in these situations Chicago definitely does. And we've seen the Rams be vulnerable in the past. So I mean, I think Jared Goff's gonna get tripped up here a little bit, and the Bears are gonna win this game.
2: Yeah, and this is a huge game for the Rams, I think, just because they're playing in the NFC West. They they have a chance here to come within a game of Seattle, and they're coming off a loss. They didn't play well, I think, the week before against the Giants, where you know they didn't do a whole hell of a lot there either. And they are at home. Are they allowing any people? I figured they're not since it's California, right?
0: I think they're pretty. I think they are. I think all places are allowing people at this point. I thought. Are you sure? I didn't know if California they would. I'll look it up. I'm pretty sure they're allowing fans in. Oh no, they aren't. Never mind. I lied.
2: All right, Greg said. something. Greg says the game doesn't exist anymore, and it shouldn't. Greg, because I don't think there was too many people there, if I remember right. But it did give me the chance to touch base with former colleague, the late John Saunders. But. Nothing like, hey, where else are you going to have an NFL show and we're going to flash back to 15 years ago, the International Bowl with Cincinnati against Western Michigan. It doesn't happen anywhere but here.
0: No, you're right about that, Mike. It certainly doesn't. All right, so who do you got tonight, Bears or Rams? Yeah, I'm just going to go with the Bears. I got a better defense. I think Cleo Max is going to have a great game. I am a little concerned about what Aaron Donald's going to do to that Chicago offensive line. But I think the Rams are going to win this game. It'll be a low-scoring. I mean, the, the Bears are going to win this game. It'll be a low-scoring something one, something along the lines of 24-21. All right, this is
2: the third straight meeting over the last three years between the two, between these teams. The Bears won a decent affair in Soldier Field in 2018. The Rams got payback at the Memorial Coliseum last year. I think right now when I look at this, I think Matt Nagy has done a really good job with this Bears team. I think Nick Foles makes a few plays tonight. I think the Bears' defense will really give the Rams all kind of trouble. I like the Bears in this game 24-20, Sam.
0: Yeah, it's going to be a low-scoring game. They're not, the Bears are not going to win if you score over 30 points.
2: Well, if their defense throws up three touchdowns, they might.
0: Oh, well, yeah. but I, I'm, I'm probably expecting that to happen. It, it's going to be a low-scoring and That's the best way for them to win these games.
2: All right. So what do you think about Antonio Brown signing with the Tech Bears?
0: Yeah, I found that kind of surprising because Bruce Arians had said, I think just earlier this offseason, he had no intention to bring Antonio Brown in. He had some experience with him in Pittsburgh. From what it sounded like, Bruce Arians had a real issue with bringing Antonio Brown and did not want to do that. So I was a little shocked that he signed off on bringing Brown in. Because so that's what they said. They said it wasn't all Tom Brady said. He was the head coach, and the GM decided to bring Brown on board. So that caught me off guard a little bit. I didn't expect that to happen.
2: I'm betting this was Tom Brady that wanted him.
0: Oh, yeah, absolutely. I mean, he's been advocating for Brown to get back in the league basically since, um, since when he, whenever he signed with Tampa Bay, he wanted him back already. Hmm.
2: And Jimmy G called handing Belichick his worst home loss as Patriot coach
0: a cool week. I'm sure it was for and I know, and Brown. I
2: mean, Brown. Although Beckham is out for the season with a torn ACL, does that kill the Browns' chances to be
0: a playoff team? No, they've actually performed fairly well with him off the field. So that's not a big shock to them. It's not actually probably a big issue. He's had one really good game against Dallas. But other than that, he's been relatively ineffective.
2: All right, Greg says the International Bowl, which we're still talking about. We really are. In 2009, drew over 40,000 people probably because Buffalo was playing. Probably was because I think Buffalo's right across the border from Toronto. So there you go. If they would have just had Buffalo playing every International Bowl, it still would be around. Problem, yeah, I think you know, Turner Gill coached Buffalo for a while. I don't know if he still does or not. Have you ever heard of Turner Gill, Sam? I don't think so. Gee, Sam, come on. 1983, Nebraska Cornhuskers. A lot of people thought they were the greatest team in college football history. And Actually, were- I've read about
0: them. I've read about them in your article before. You have an article talking about like the top 15 teams in college football history.
2: Yeah, I mean, 83 Nebraska was beating everybody's ass. I think they are a like really close game that year. Was, I think they beat Oklahoma like 28-21 to 21 in a big rivalry. And then they played Miami of Florida. Miami of Florida, if I remember right, Greg can probably correct me here if I'm wrong because he's old like me. But I think going into that game, Miami was ranked like fifth and Nebraska was ranked number one. It was played at the Orange Bowl. So it was a home playoff game for the Miami Hurricanes. And earlier that day, I think Texas – was ranked like number 2 and got upset by Texas or vice versa Georgia had lost to Texas I think they were ranked 2 it might have been Texas but long story short that night in Miami probably the greatest college football game I think I've ever saw they went 31 to 30 Miami does they upset Turner Gill and Nebraska Miami was actually up 17 nothing at one point which was a huge shock and then 31 to 17 they were down, I mean, 31-24, they were down. They, are Nebraska's down, they drive down. They score to make it 31-30. to Tom Osborne could have kicked the extra point and got a tie and won the national championship, but he went for the two. Turner Gill rolls out to the right. The ball's tipped away on a deflection. And that basically started that great run of the U where basically from 1983 up to about the earlier, late 90s, they were maybe the best program in college football during that time. So there's your Turner Gill history. Thank you for the history
0: lesson yet again, Mike. I always appreciate that.
2: Okay. Well, go back and get on YouTube and find the 1980, I think it's the 83. It was the 83 season. It would have been January 1st of 84. But Miami, Nebraska was the greatest college football game ever played. I'll go check it out right after the podcast ends. And here, Rendon Die has a question for you, Sam. Since you're our fantasy football guru, or should I trade Todd Gurley for Kareem Hunt? Yeah, if you can do that, I would get Kareem Hunt. Absolutely, he's going to yeah, put up more yards.
0: Talking about Nick Chubb in right now because he's going to get a lot more carries than what he would if Chubb was there. Wait, I mean, Chubb's not coming back for a little while. Like you say, he's coming back soon. Rendon, he's not. It's going to be a couple of weeks. You're going to yeah. probably have Kareem Hunt being the starting back for five weeks at least. Plus, you take Odell Beckham away, too, which means they're really going to have to run the ball now. Well, and also, Kareem plays a pretty big role in the receiving game. Usually, he's their receiving back. Odell Beckham means probably more touches in that area, too. Yeah.
2: All right, Sam, we're going to wrap it up. I want to make sure everybody checks out Repletish and Technologies, R-C-A-N-D-T dot com. Also, Manscaped, use the promo code TGT20. Your balls will love you if you do. Isn't that right, Sam? Yep, that's right. (laughs) (laughs) All right, guys. Make sure you also go to Rockfin. Rockfin is, hey, you're welcome, Rendon. Rendon said, thank you. Um, Make sure you check us out tomorrow, Rendon. We're here one o'clock Monday through Friday. Uh, Also check us out on Rockfin, where this show will be on Rockfin. Also after this uh, podcast version on Spotify, iHeartRadio, iTunes, tune in. And really, Rockfin, they give you exclusive content from people too. You can sign up for free. You pay $9.99 a month. You get all three, 4,000 collaborators there, including guys like Tom Lemming. So there's a lot of sports there. And really, Sam, maybe we ought to do the article in podcast form or in TV form for
0: Rockfin and make it an exclusive. And we could. I mean, that would certainly help out, give us more content on that platform. Yeah. So make sure you check us out on Rockfin.
2: Make sure you check out Manscaped so your balls will love you. Use the promo code TGT20 to get 20% off. So for now, for Sam Teets, I'm Mike Pastor. You've been listening and watching to The Grueling Truth, where the legends speak. See you, Greg.